0: Last week, we were in the first part of Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. uh, Sorry, 1 through 11. And today, we're going to begin in verse 12. And so, if you want to turn with me, we're, we're talking about being the church together. That's the series we're going through in Philippians. And today, we're talking about how salvation leads to works. Okay, last week, we talked about humility. And we talked about how if unity requires humility... And unity leads, uh, sorry, humility leads to unity. And this week we're talking about how salvation leads to works. Now, notice that that is not reversed. That does not say works lead to salvation. Okay? Salvation leads to works. I want to make it clear before we begin that I believe the Bible is crystal clear on the subject of salvation. That we are not saved by works, right? It is by what? Yeah, it is by grace through faith that we have been saved, not by works. And so who gets to boast? No one, none of us uh, saved ourselves. None of our works led to our salvation. It is only by God's mercy. It is only by God's love that he sent his son. He sent Jesus to to pay for our sins for us, to take the punishment on himself that we deserve for our sins. But Jesus took that punishment for us. And so, if we become a follower of Jesus, if we're born again, if we're saved, then Jesus accepts that punishment that we owe, and we are spared. And we get to spend an eternity in heaven with Christ, with God, and, and we're spared from an eternal separation, an eternal punishment. And so... Uh, it's nothing that we've done. It's nothing that we can do. You know, I, I meet people all the time who uh, know that they've done bad things in their life and they want to go to heaven. And so they start doing good things in order to try to get to heaven. But what's the sad irony of that? You can't earn your way there. You can't work your way there. No matter how many good things you do, the bad stuff is still there. It doesn't just go away. So the only answer is to ask God to forgive you of those things. And for Jesus to pay the debt that we owe because of the sins that we committed. It's like uh, John Michael. Every once in a while he gets in trouble. I know that's hard to believe for those of you who know him. But every once in a while. He uh, might be a little too hyper, say something that he shouldn't have said. I know that none of us are ever like that, uh, but uh, when he gets in trouble, then there's going to be punishment. Now, sometimes we'll tell him we're having grace, but and we'll explain what that means. But uh, but there's there has to be punishment. And so uh, Rose gets this look in her eye like she enjoys it. No, I'm just playing. Uh, but when, when imagine John gets in trouble and Rose is going to punish him. And instead of John getting a spanking, not that we would ever spank our children. Um, okay. You can believe what you want about that, but this is being recorded. So I had to say something like that anyway. Um, uh, but imagine John's about to get a spanking and I say, no, wait, wait. Spank me instead. Now that seems silly to us, right? But God has to punish sin because he's God and he must do what is right. And to punish wrongdoing is right. For people to have to answer for the hurt and the pain that they've caused is right. And so God just couldn't say, oh, you're forgiven. Nobody has to answer for it. Someone still has to answer for the wrong that has been done. And so God had a plan. When I say God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, from eternity past, they had a plan that when they would create humans, there would be a fixed point where they created humans. And when they created humans, humans would sin. And because of that sin, they couldn't be in the presence. They couldn't dwell with God without being punished. They couldn't dwell with Him for eternity because God is holy and perfect. And so someone had to... to, he had to do what was right, and what was right was punishing sin. And plus, think about earth. Think about when sin entered our world. It ruined everything, right? And so, God can't allow sin to enter heaven. Okay, He can't, he, He's not gonna allow that for the same thing to happen to heaven that happened here. And so, God had a plan. He would come in the form of man. Jesus would be born as a man. And, He, would grow into from a baby into a mature man and he would never sin he would never deserve punishment but he would take our punishment for us we're the ones that deserve the spanking much worse than a spanking by the way but Jesus would take it for us and so the father poured his wrath out on his own son because sins had to be answered for we had to answer for our sins but Jesus answered for them, for us. And if we accept his gift, his payment that he made on our behalf, the, the way that he covered our sins, if we accept that, then we get to have a relationship with God. And that's good news. Because we couldn't have done it on our own. We couldn't have gotten there on our own. We needed someone to help us. We needed a bridge to get us there. And Jesus is that bridge. And so, I want to make it very clear that we could never work our way to salvation. And that is crystal clear throughout Paul's writings. And it's also clear throughout the entire Bible that we cannot work our way to salvation. And as we said from Ephesians 2 earlier, it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, not by works. Okay? So, if, if you are saved in here today... And I say if, because not everyone in here is guaranteed to be saved, I don't know your hearts, if you are saved, then it is only by the grace of God, the mercy of God, that you have been saved. And it is only by having faith in Him. And the Bible says if you believe, if you confess, right, that you will be saved, but The belief that it's talking about is not just a head knowledge. It's not just knowing with your head that Jesus is God. If that saved you, then the demons would be saved. Because James tells us that you believe that God is one, good. Even the demons believe in shudder. So even the demons believe that there is a God, believing that there is a God is not the same As believing in a sense that you're putting your faith in him. That you're trusting him. That you're following him. That you love him. And so salvation is by faith. It's by us trusting God. That he's got it all under control. That he can cover our sins. That he can forgive us. That he is good. That he is God. That he has provided a way for us to have a relationship with him. That's the faith. That is required for salvation. There is no work that is required. Simply believing, simply having faith. All right. I want to make that clear before we get to what we're about to read, because it's critical to have an understanding of biblical salvation when you read this passage. So let's read this passage together, and I will be kind of going back between twelve and verses twelve and thirteen here for a little while because they're so interconnected and and. Uh, We'll we'll need to look at both of them. But verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed... and Now, this is Paul talking to the church at Philippi. And Paul is in prison. He's away from them, separated from them. And he's talking to these people who are there at Philippi, um, at the church, the, the Philippians. And he says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence... So he's saying, what I'm about to tell you, I wanted it when I was there with you. But now that I'm not with you, I want this even more. Because I can't be there to hold you accountable. Much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now I just told you that we're saved by grace. That we're not saved by works. So what in the world is this talking about? Let's, let's read verse 13. And then we'll go back to verse 12 for it is God who works in you. So he's told to work out his own salvation, but it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, going back to verse 12, he's encouraging them in his absence to do this, and this, what is this? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, let's let's talk about what this means. This is not saying work it out like we think about working it out. When we think about working it out, we think about just keeping, keep on working on something and, until you get it. You know, that's working it out. But what this is saying is it's almost a literal thing, even though it's in a figurative sense. Um, where does salvation occur? In the heart. And, of course, the metaphorical heart. right? It, it, it occurs inside of us, in our soul, in, in who we are in the depth of us, we are saved. We have this faith that, that really God has put in us and we have responded by by obedience and following him and, and we are saved from the inside out, okay? Doing things on the outside works. That, that doesn't save us. It is by faith, okay? it's It's on the inside that we are saved. And so here, when Paul is saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling... He is implying that salvation occurs inside of us, in the depths of us. And if we are saved, then we need to work it out. If it's already happened to us, then our works on the outside, the things that we do, the way that we live our life, the choices that we make, need to reflect the decision, or more than just the decision, the miracle of salvation that has occurred inside of us. And so... I have met people in my life who you don't have to tell me that they're a follower of Jesus. Because I can look at their life and I know that they love Jesus. Well, of course they say it, but they also live it. Right? Do you know people like that? Who there is no doubt in your mind they love Jesus because they've worked it out. They've proven it by their actions. You see... We're not saved by works, but when we are saved, what's going to occur? Works. Obedience is going to follow. If we have given our life to Jesus, if we have given our heart to Christ, then obedience is going to be the natural side effect of that. Okay? This uh, past 10 days, um, I had strep throat, so I had to take medicine and... Um, I was just thinking, awesome, let me get on that medicine, and then I'm going to be good, right? But what I did not anticipate is that the medicine was hard on me. Anybody ever taken medicine that's hard on you? I know that there are some medicines that will will literally just zap everything that you have. And so um, what I found out is that in order to get better, I had to take this medicine, but the medicine had side effects. That lasted for a while. And I was counting down the days to my last pill, okay? I was so ready to get off that medicine. And it's amazing just how much better I feel today than even yesterday. And so anyway, I say that to say that when you put something inside of you, sometimes there are effects to that. Oftentimes, if not all the time, there are effects to that. And when Christ has saved you... When God has entered you, there should be good side effects that come along with that. It should radically change the way you behave and act. And you might say, but I grew up in church. Hey, I've known people my whole life who grew up in church, and they aren't that great sometimes. Growing up in church, not only does it not save you, but it doesn't mean that you're going to have the good effects of Christ being in you, right? You can pretend, you can put on a show, and sometimes people are very good at that, and they can even convince themselves that they're following Jesus because they've been doing the right things. But inevitably, your true self comes out. And a Christian is going to repent of that, and they're going to ask God for forgiveness, and then they're going to turn away from that sin and and do what's right, and there's going to be good effects. But when Paul says here... Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying you work so that you will be saved. He's saying if you're saved internally, then salvation should be evident externally. You work on the outside. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, fear and trembling. What does that mean? Are we to be scared of God? Well... Scared might be the wrong word, but we should have a healthy reverence, a healthy respect for who God is. Let me give you an example. Before Rose and I moved here, I spent about a month getting our house ready to sell back in Monticello. And one of the things that I had to do is I had to put in a ground uh, fault circuit interrupter breaker into our breaker box. Okay? Now, I'm not an electrician. And my thought was, I'm just as likely to give Rose uh, a life insurance return as I am to fix this uh, issue uh, with, with our breaker box. But um, seeing how we things were financially complicated for us, that's a good way of saying poor. Um, we decided that I would fix this, or I decided that I would fix this. And so I went and bought the, the breaker that I needed. I watched YouTube because you can learn anything on there. And, uh, and I learned how to do it. And then I called a friend who is an electrician who lived in another state. And I said, I'm going to walk you through what I'm going to do. And if, if you hear anything that's going to kill me, <laughs> please correct me. So I walk him through it. He said, no, that's it. That's exactly right. You've got it. You can do this. I know you can do it. It's going to be great. And so I hung up the phone, and man, I was like pumped up. I was like, I can do this. Thanks for encouraging me. I'm, You know, here we go. So I take off the uh, face of the breaker box, and all my confidence went away when I saw the inside of that thing. And I knew that the wires up here were live, and um, there was this thing that might happen to me if I touch those called death, and okay, I don't know, but anyway... I didn't want to mess up, and so I wanted to do it, and there was a part of me that was confident that I could do it, but there was still this healthy respect for electricity that I literally was shaking a little bit <laughs> as I was taking out the old breaker, inserting the new one, and, and with these specific types of breakers, it's a, there's a different way to install them, installing them, and so I was a little bit nervous, and I got it done, and, and it worked, and I was really excited, but there was this Um, fear and trembling that went with changing that breaker. Now I'm glad for electricity I'm so glad we have electricity and I respect what it's doing but I also respect the dangers of it because it's electricity and so I was cautious and reverent respectful in how I approached it that's the fear and trembling that we should have with God We should be very glad that we can approach God in Christ. We should be very glad that he has given us the opportunity for salvation. We should be very glad that he created us in the first place. But we should also understand that he is the creator of the universe. That by his word we were created. And and it's only by him that we are still upheld. That he could at any point end all of this. Because he is God. And that should be in our mind, that he should be respected. Another thing that we should fear, and when I say fear, I mean this healthy respect and reverence, is understand that our sins will be answered for, either by Jesus or by us. And we need to have a healthy respect of who we're dealing with when we go into the presence of God. Okay? There are some people who make all these promises while they're hugging a toilet after a Friday night. And then the next Friday night, they're they're back there again. And they're saying, I will never do this again. If you will just let me survive this and get me out of this. You don't have to raise your hand if this has been you in your life. But I will. And then the next Friday night, what's happening? It's the same pattern. Now, is that a healthy respect and reverence for God? But now let's make it hit a little closer to home. There are some of us who have no problem gossiping. Right? With ill intent not for the good of the people we're talking about. And we hear a sermon on gossiping and we get a little convicted and and we say we won't do that again. And then Monday, what are we doing? Gossiping. There are some of us who spend our money in ways that don't honor God and we get convicted about it when we find ourselves in financial troubles and we tell God we won't do this again if you would just get us out of this mess and then a month down the road, we're in the mess again. So we have to be careful about just judging other people's sins and realize that all of us need to come to God in every area of our life with fear and trembling. And the salvation that he has given us, if he has given it to us, when it occurs inside of us, it should work itself out. You see, if you call yourself a Christian, but you don't live like the Bible says a Christian should live, are you a Christian? That's that's between you and God. I can't answer that. But if your salvation is not being worked out, you should have some questions about yourself, about your salvation, about your life. Now, let me make it clear. I believe that when a person is saved, their salvation is secure in Christ. He saves us. I just told you, I spent a long time saying it's not earned. It is by grace through faith that we have been saved. And so if we never earn our salvation in the first place, then I believe we cannot unearn it. Let me tell you what I mean by that. How can you lose something that you never, was never yours to get in the first place? God gave it to us. It was His gift to us. He saved us. And if, if we are saved, then we will work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It will become evident. But if we're not saved, if salvation never occurred, then We're going to find ourselves in these places where it's evident. God will let us know we are not saved. But if we are saved, even if we fall away, there will be conviction to come back. If you're saved. Because I do believe in once saved, always saved. But I like to word it a little differently. I've heard it worded, if saved, always saved. Because a lot of people believe that they're saved just because they came to church or just because... They walked an aisle. And those things in themselves don't save you. It is by grace, through faith, that we have been saved. If you had a head belief, yeah, I believe that there's a God. That head belief doesn't save you. It's faith belief. It's putting everything into God's hands. It's saying I'm yours. You are my Lord. Take me and do what you will with me. I'm not sure. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just not sure and In in specific circumstances, if salvation has occurred when a person says, Lord, save me, and they're never willing to give all of themselves to God. They want to hold these things back and do these things the way they want to do them rather than the way God wants to do them. So when Paul says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see, it's God who's doing a work inside of us. We don't change our own hearts. God changes our hearts. And he does it when we hear sermons preached. He does it when we're in the word. He does it through the power of his Holy Spirit. He changes our insides. And when he changes our insides, we cannot help but to work it out. We cannot help but to live it out. I love it when I see people get saved and there's such a change in them that it is evident to everyone around them that they are saved. They have been changed. They are gods now. And so even people who grew up in church who were always pretty good people, they begin not just being pretty good people, but living their lives for God. Whatever that means. They end up in Africa. They end up in their... place of employment telling their co-workers about jesus they end up in their schools telling fellow students about how christ has changed them because they can't help it because god has done a work in them and they have worked out their salvation with fear and trembling and for some of us we've been saved a long time and sometimes we fall into this stagnant place where it just doesn't seem like growth is occurring and i just want to challenge you to cry out to god And to tell him, help me to continue working out my salvation with fear and trembling. Lord, do something fresh inside of me so that I can show the world your love. So that I can work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Because when we call ourselves Christians, but we play by our own handbook, it's dangerous. It's dangerous for ourselves, and it is surely dangerous for the people around us who might not know better. Let God do a work in you. And when God changes you, work it out. Now, um, I didn't even, I just covered two verses. I'm not even close to being done with this sermon. But time's up, right? And so I don't want uh people rebelling with pitchforks and stomachs growling. And so I need to close this in a place that I wasn't prepared to close it. But But let me just say this and ask this. Has God made a change in your life? Has God saved you? Do you have faith in Him? And by grace, through faith, you have been saved? Has that occurred in your life? Because if it has, Paul's challenge to the Philippians, my challenge to you, is to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let it be obvious. And if it's not obvious, then get on your faces and ask God to help you. Ask God... To make it obvious. Ask him to do something in you that you can't contain. Think about a cup, okay? If I've got a, a cup, I love sweet tea, okay? Uh, I will get a cup when I get home. But, you've got a cup, and you get a gallon of, full gallon of sweet tea, and you begin to pour, what's gonna eventually happen? It's gonna overflow. And use that image. Of that tea just overflowing as you pour. And ask God to fill you. With his spirit. Ask God to do a work inside of you. That is so full. That he just overflows out. In your life. You're working it out. You're working out your salvation. With fear and trembling. Now. We've come to a time where we're going to have an invitation. And during this invitation, um, Rose and I are going to join the church. And last week, we offered an invitation. I know I'm the pastor. If you don't know how this works, even, even pastors still have to join churches and move their membership from one church to another. So that's what we're going to do. But last week, I offered an invitation that if you, if God has been doing something in your life, and if... For those of you, there's a lot of people in here who haven't joined the church yet who are ready. If you want to join the church, then here's a time where you can take a step to let people know I want to join the church. Now, at our church, we accept you by in different ways. And I'll, I'll go over these again like I went over them last week. Uh, one way is you've already been saved and you've already been baptized. You're a member of another Southern Baptist Church or Baptist Church and... Uh, We move your letter, which just means your membership, from one church to this church. Okay? Another way is you've already been saved and you've already been baptized. And you join by a statement of faith in the fact that you've already been baptized after your salvation, after conversion. Biblical baptism by immersion. Which means you went under the water and you came back up. And if you've already made a statement of faith and you've already been baptized, then you can join in that way by statement of faith and baptism um, another way is you haven't been saved well you can get saved and then we can baptize you and you can join the church in that way okay um, or maybe you've been saved but you've never been baptized well we can baptize you and we'll join the church by that way so if any of those things apply to you and you're wanting to join the church this morning then i welcome you to come up during this invitation and rose and i are going to be joining Hey, the more the merrier if if God is leading you to to join this congregation. And at this time, we would love for you to do that with us. Um, But maybe there are some of you in here this morning and you're listening to this sermon about working out your salvation. And maybe you are saved. You've been saved. God did a work in your life. But you know that you haven't been working out your salvation like you should. This is a time where we stop, where we slow down, and where you can respond to God, and you can repent. You can say, God, I'm sorry for not working out my salvation. Lord, I, I love you, and I know you did a, a work in my heart, and I know you saved me, so help me to work it out. Fill me so much that, that works are overflowing out of me, that I, I love you and others so much that I can't stop doing for you and others. Or maybe you're in here this morning... And you hear about the fact that works can't save you, that it's by grace through faith. And you have been doing works your whole life to try to earn your way to heaven. And you're, you might even be a good person, but you learned this morning through Scripture that works won't save us, that it requires faith. Well, you can put your faith in God this morning, and then your works will have more power more meaning. And He will save you, not because you deserve it, not because you've earned it by anything that you've done. He will save you by His grace, through your faith, and you can live for Him. If that's you this morning, then I want to encourage you to accept Him, to follow Him, to be saved, and to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So however God is convicting you, maybe I didn't even hit the tip of the iceberg on the way that God might be convicting you this morning. But I I want you to respond in whatever way he's leading you. Um, We're going to have a time of invitation. Kenny, if if you guys would come up and lead us. And if if God is is calling you to respond, then respond this morning. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. And we want to work out our salvation with fear and trembling.